0: You're listening to the Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Well, welcome to the first Devoted Podcast. I'm really excited about this. Um, we've been thinking about this for a while, but just really didn't know the timing of what this would be. And, you know, I don't know, just a lot of prayer went into this and then all of a sudden, crazy corona lockdown and it just, as I was praying about this, I was like, wow, this this is the time. So, um, you know, we can't meet right now, right? We're still all in this shelter at home stuff and and uh, we don't know when this ends. And we just wanna be able to pour into you guys as absolutely much as we can and hopefully encourage you guys in your homes and that kind of stuff. and. I love the podcast format. I have always been a fan, really kind of since the first when podcasts started making a a big thing. I just love to listen to different things. I've listened to sermons. I'll listen to all kinds of stuff while you're doing dishes and while you're doing laundry. And um, I just love doing that. So um, we're giving you something else to listen to and hopefully encourage you. Uh, The format of this will kind of vary a little bit. You know, Sometimes it's just gonna be me. Sometimes I'm gonna have some other people on that I'm really excited. Um, I'm hoping to do that even later this month. So watch for that. But um, the idea behind just obviously, even as we've talked about in our Devoted Saturdays, we just wanna be women devoted to God's word. And we believe that it is the infallible, perfect word of God and it is our standard to which we hold ourselves to. So that can mean, gals, we're going to come across a scripture every now and then that just might not sit right. Right? And that's not just about being women. That's just about being people. We're just going to find things in scripture sometimes that are not always the easiest pill to swallow. So I don't want that stuff to, I don't want us to shy away from that kind of thing. I want us to take that on. I want us to just absolutely embrace all that is in God's word. And so that I just put that out there as sort of a, not a disclaimer necessarily, but almost an invitation to just be ready. You know, it's okay if we talk about something that might rub us a little bit wrong, or if there's something that in the word you're like, huh, I'm just not sure what I think about that, pray through it. And don't just listen to what I am saying, you know, read the word, ask the spirit to really show you what it is that he has for you in his word. And I know that he will. And that's what he wants. He, he wants to, our hearts to be in a place that we want to be yielded to his word. So I am. my prayer through this is that we will just be submitted to God's word, that this will be fun, that this will be a way that we can um, encourage and still be able to be digging into God's word so um topics are going to vary and hey if there's something that you want us to talk about or you want to hear somebody from our fellowship come on with me please let us know so you can always email us at um, com. and um no i said that wrong com. and we'll we'll put that in the in the blurbs here somewhere on the show notes but that way you can email us if you've got questions or anything like that so So that's a little blurb about what this looks like we're gonna come at you once a week that's the plan and then we'll just uh, we're prayerfully gonna take that as we go on from here on what the frequency will look like so but that's the goal for now so set that aside devoted podcast here we go so for this first one i the, the topic that the Lord laid on my heart, I knew from the start that this was clearly from the Lord because this is not something that I probably would have chosen for our very first discussion here on Devoted Podcast. But I was praying about this and literally I felt like when the Lord was giving me the green light, like, yes, this is the time for the pod- podcast. The very next thing was, here's what I want you to talk about the first time. So it's not a light one. It's a tough conversation. So don't turn it off yet, hang in with me until the end, because I really do think there is some encouraging and some great things that the Lord has for us in this, but it's not your feel good topic for Mother's Day that's coming on Sunday, I know, I know, sorry about that. But here we go, we are gonna talk about depression. And I know you're already thinking, see, I told you this was not going to be a light one, but I think this is such an important one. And, you know, this is something that typically we kind of hide behind as Christian women, right? Or Christians in general, it doesn't even have to be a a gender issue, but there's sort of this thing that that says that if you are a good Christian, if you're walking with the Lord, you don't struggle with this kind of thing. That's just a lie, but it's so well and so believed that, I mean, truly you can Google up the depression and it will talk about it being like the best kept secret in the church and why, right? It's because there is sort of this, there is this understanding, right? That our soul, our mind, our emotions, all of that is so linked. And that is such a, um, that is something that we know that even if we don't want to totally admit it we know that there is a spiritual component to it, right? Now, this is not to say that there aren't other factors involved in that kind of thing, but we have to acknowledge that the Lord knows our soul very well. And I'm always comforted and reminded, you know, those scriptures and Psalms where it talks about that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, the uniqueness of us. I mean, like literally think about your your own brain chemistry, the uniqueness of it. And so I kind of say that too, because my story with this is not going to look just like your story and your experience. Everybody's different in this and, and that's okay. But there are some things that I think that we'll find some common ground, some common threads of both, maybe things that we've, we've experienced that have been similar and hopefully things that I want to just point you to some tools and things that I think are really key as we struggle through this. So this is a big one though. There are, if if you don't yourself deal with this, you probably know someone who has dealt with depression or maybe you're married to someone who has dealt with depression, but it's a, it's just so big and it's so prevalent, you know, but it's something that we don't talk about very much. So I sort of just wanted to, let's just, just just peel that back. And here I go, uh, just starting from the right off the gate with kind of sharing with you something that. It's not really my favorite thing to talk about either you know these are not memories that I like to replay in my mind they're they're just not but there are some victories that I've seen along the way that I do like to replay and I think it's because of that in part that as I've been preparing for this I have a lot of things that the Lord has shown me through this that i that actually really excite me and that sounds really weird considering the topic that we're discussing so I have all kinds of stuff in my head. We'll see how much actually comes out when it, during this. But, um, but the Lord has some great things for us in these dark places. So I gotta first just provide for you some context on where I come from on this stuff. So um, I think my first sort of, coming into, I don't even think I would have called it depression, right? I mean, I was in high school and I think you would have just described me as a little bit more of a melancholy personality and not even all the time. Um, often people that um, struggle with depression are really awesome fakers. I was a great faker. So I could, I could exude a particular like um, personality and and that kind of stuff that I thought was like the the good face that I needed to give without really like portraying or belying the what was going on necessarily inside but it was just kind of mellow and I wouldn't say anything like terribly serious and then I went um, I don't know like 1500 miles away to college and that rocked my world in so many ways because I hadn't been away from home very much before I was super close to my family my mom and my dad and so I had um, that whole year was kind of tough there were some external factors As if you've gone through depression before you know that sometimes you don't need any reason at all. Like, you know, there won't be any external reason why you should be wrestling as much as you are. And yet you will be, you will just be absolutely in the pit. But, um, so there were a few of those external factors when I was in college. Um, I'm not going to necessarily go into that right now because y'all don't have all day, but I just want to provide a little bit of the coloring, I guess, if I can, because college was when that first year, it was dark, gals. It was, uh, it felt like almost physically oppressively dark, and I I couldn't even put my finger on what it all was, and I knew, and I felt like a failure, right? I felt like, what is your problem? You're this good Christian girl, you're at a Christian college, why are you struggling? Which, how fun is it? (laughs) but you think of, you go to the word and, and who else had that struggle? David, right? I mean, as you, I, I remember the first time going through Psalms with, um, with Pastor Brett and just going through the ups and downs that David struggled with. He asks himself a lot of the same questions that we ask ourselves when we're struggling and we're going through these difficult times. So, but I was in, I, I was just kind of barely skating by you know i was getting up for class just barely rolling into class doing what i need to do coming right back to my bed going to sleep sleeping through meals um so i got to a not good place on so many levels i mean i was not eating um i really just i was i was awake for class and then i come back and sleep which I, I, I know and I've, I've done a lot of research and study on the different things that's going on in your brain when you are struggling and you're in this, you know, almost this cycle almost of depression. But it's exhausting, right? I mean, if you have been through this, you know that it is sometimes all you can do to get up that morning. And then you just keep going. I mean, it. but it's it's just tiring. It's so exhausting. And I, I'm not you know, smart enough to know all the things that are going on in that, but I know how it felt, you know? And I remember something that was a little bit of a, a coping mechanism for me in college that I love how the Lord put this here. Cause it just kind of gave me a hint of where I am 25 years later with this, but it was an assignment in college that it, I took a class. I was at Western Baptist at the time. It's now called Corbin university, but it's an assignment that you have to read through the Bible for one of your classes and I, at, to, up until that point, I don't think I had ever read th- straight through the Bible in a school year. And, uh, but when it, that's an assignment, you know, got to do it, right? It's the thing you have to do. You got to check that box. And so I had to do it, but it turned out to be really one of the best things for me. Because I remember, I, don't, I couldn't tell you a single other assignment I had that year, but I remember that one. Because I remember just, like I told you, getting up, barely getting to class, coming back. But each time I'd get back into my bed where I really wanted to be, I would do a little bit of my reading. And often falling asleep in my reading, holding my Bible, and then I'd wake up, start reading a little bit more because it was the assignment. But yet the Lord was also using it just as like this stabilizing comfort in my life. It didn't matter if I was in Deuteronomy or Lamentations, or Daniel, or in the New Testament, but there was just something that it felt like, that there was few things I could focus on, if, if that makes sense, but that one I knew I needed to do. And so, because, and that was an external thing, right? I had a teacher telling me, no, you have to do this. But internally, like the Lord was just using that to just to kind of keep me afloat, you know? And I'm so thankful for that now, because truly, I, I cannot express enough how important the word of God is when you're going through these seasons did I feel better in a day with that no no that's not how these things work and you know that but it is so key as you're going through it so college was obviously it was difficult it was kind of my first round with this um, and but definitely kind of like an intro of me going huh this is this is going to be me like, wow, I'm going to struggle with this because once I got married, man, that came back around again. And there were no external factors this time, like none. There was no reason at all that I should have been struggling. And then I had my first kiddo and yep, we went through it again and again. And, and, and it was actually really not until much later that I learned that some of my uh, seasons Uh, probably were tied to some postpartum. Mine was very much after the fact of having, it was never in those first couple months. It was always later. Um, And so I didn't always make that connection, but I do think that had something to do with it. But lots of seasons, guys, lots of seasons. Bless my dear husband's heart. He has gone through a lot of seasons of this. And, you know, I'm excited to tell you about you know, where this has ended up here and when we're wrapping up because it's just been, that part's, that's the good part, so hang on. But I just want you to hear that if you're going through this, first of all, that it is not sinful to acknowledge that you are struggling and hurting and you're not even sure why, you know? It's just, that's not wrong. And I think that it's in those moments. I don't think I know this from my own personal experience. It's the Lord really is drawing and pulling us in during those times of affliction and trial and hardship. And, you know, and and like I said, your mind plays all kinds of games of like, what's your problem? You should just be able to figure this out, right? But it just, you don't think super clearly during those seasons. But I want to show you a couple things. And again, this is my own experience. I would never in a million years just say this is the blanket answer for everything. However, there, like I said, there is kind of this line of answer that I think does have truth in it for all of us. But I want to kind of walk you through some of the tools that as I went through these seasons, what was so helpful and what got me through. Now, they, like I said, they came back. And I had a lot of a lot of go-arounds with this but there are there were some common things and I think that my learning experience on each of them built but one of the things that I felt when you're thinking about what your tools look like in this you have to think of, of your support system a little bit okay this could be a roommate you live with this could be your husband this could be a family member And this can be a tricky one because if you are close with someone that doesn't have a depressive bone in their body, it can be so hard for that person to understand where you're going. Like, what is the deal? Um, I am married to a truly remarkable man. He does not have a single depressive bone in his body. I'm telling you what, he is, uh, he just, he does not, he is not wired that way. And he has, and he has struggled. And there have been seasons where he was like, "Yeah, I'm not real sure." He never like said to me, "I'm not real sure what to do with you." But you know, how you can kind of go, "Okay, I've got him stumped. I've probably got him discouraged. I've probably got him frustrated." But I do remember there was a, a time where uh, I couldn't even tell you which season. I, I remember which house we were living in, but other than that, I don't remember. But I was not doing well, and it was one of those just getting through. And I remember getting up and I remember getting, I got up and I'm heading into the bathroom to get ready for the day. And Chris turned to me and he said, I'm so proud of you for getting up today. And I just burst into tears, right? Because he, he didn't know exactly what all this felt like. But I tell you what, I think the Lord just gave him that to tell me Because I felt like I was just like, it was just someone acknowledging where you're at, you know, and that can just be so huge. Did he like every day of this season, like, was he constantly going, are you okay? You okay? No. And in fact, I think that's okay to do. I I don't know that it's helpful when you're going through these seasons to be almost babysat too much in the regard where, um, you know, where you're constantly focused on, the struggle as opposed to where you should be heading. But it was a moment where he was just acknowledging and looking right at me and saying, I know how hard that was. And I was, it just felt so amazing to be acknowledged because that was, that was hard. And I'm kind of telling myself like, Aim, this should not be hard. Come on, just keep going. But it was so encouraging to me to have him come alongside me like that, you know? And, and so that was a huge blessing. But I also know that there's probably a lot of you that are not in situations where there is somebody that is just gonna come to your side and, and and see it. And I would say in their defense, it's not because I don't think in most cases that they're trying to be insensitive or anything like that, but they may not know exactly what you're going through in that way, and they don't know how to necessarily sympathize with that. But this is where I wanna continue to encourage you to be in the word because we must be reminded that he is with us in this. You know, when we've talked about uh, when we're uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire and that there Jesus appears in that fire, you can't forget that when you are in the lowest of the low, he is with you. So even if there's not a friend, there's not a family member, there's nobody that is getting it. He is with you and he knows and that's okay. That is really the key, right? You want to be drawn in. You want to be brought in closer with the Lord in this because that's where the cure comes from. I mean, that's beyond a tool, right? So I would say like, yes, your support system is huge. One of my seasons, this was another one that was amazing for me. I had um, my sweet sister-in-law who everyone should just have someone like this in their life. She is one of the most remarkable human beings in the world. But I was in a really tough spot, and Chris did not necessarily want me to be on my own. And I remember he had um, Britt come over and uh, help take care of the kids, and I went and took a little nap, because as we pointed out, exhausted all the time with this nonsense. And I remember coming downstairs from my bedroom, coming down the stairs, and all over my house, She had put sticky notes of scripture. I mean, everywhere, guys. I was taking these things down for weeks. They were on light switches. They were on cupboards. They were inside cupboards. They were, you know, they were everywhere. And it was two things, right? It was was feeling amazingly loved because she didn't say a word. She didn't say a word, guys. She used the Lord's words, put them all over my house to remind me of what is true. And that is so key, right? Because when you're struggling in these seasons, you're fighting through so many things and so many thoughts that are not true. They are not true. She put truth all over my house on a sticky note. And it was just something that continued to remind me, come back to the word, come back to the word. Nothing else makes sense to you, Amy. Come back to the word because this does make sense. There is truth here. She was huge. I have want to say something about seeking counsel with people. So I have been so encouraged over time. Judy uh, has been amazingly encouraging to me. She was probably my first one to kind of help me connect the dots with like, Aim, I think you're having, this is like a, there's a postpartum connection here. And uh, and she brought out some practical things, right? She was able to kind of say a couple things. One, are you getting any exercise? And I have since learned from that challenge. Now you'll know if you're struggling and you're going through a cycle of depression, the last thing you really wanna do is work out. You just don't because that takes in a tremendous amount of effort, right? But I have learned now in the last 15 years, especially, I can go about three days and then that's probably beyond that's not a good call. I, it's just, and there's all kinds of, there's scientific reasons for this, right? On how our brain works and the endorphins and all that kind of stuff, it makes a difference. So she counseled me in some, just some like even physical, practical things that can help with. So she also shared with me a really powerful quote that I think it, it was Elizabeth Elliott that said this, but she said, do the next thing. Now, how simple is that, right? However, again, I know I keep repeating myself, but when you're in that cycle, nothing feels simple. It feels like a lot to go downstairs and make your kids breakfast. It feels like a lot to go get in the shower and get ready. It's just all, it's all, it all is upside down for you at that point. And if you've gone through these seasons, you know that you don't typically, and I say typically because I've had a few where this has not been true, but typically you don't go where, you know, you can mark on a day, this is the day I was better that day. And then we were fine from there. That's usually not how these seasons work. Typically, they're like these small incremental steps, day after day after day, where all of a sudden you're a couple months down the road, sometimes a year down the road, and you look back and you go, huh, the Lord has really brought me to a different place. And those that 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 is that ground is covered, I guess, by by those small tiny steps, by the doing the next thing. It doesn't sound like something that's super like, you know motivational and empowering and all those kinds of things, but it's really all you can do, you know? And it's perfect. It's just the right amount. Because that is really, the, we just need to keep doing the next thing. You know how in Isaiah 40, it talks about walking. You know, it said, you will run and not grow, no, they will walk and not grow faint. They will run and not be weary. Am I switching those? But there's a steadiness to it. It's just these small incremental, steps that you take as you're going through this." And so she was so helpful, and, and I, I have to say that the other person that came in in this piece was uh, another gal at our church, and she was um, my kid's preschool teacher, okay? And I told her I was struggling, and again, this is years in between these seasons, I'm sort of throwing these all together, but I, she told me later that she didn't really know how she was going to talk with me, how, what she was going to encourage me. And she didn't really know. And she said she, she was praying about what the Lord would have her share. And she said that the Lord wanted her to walk me through Psalm 23. That's where we started. Beautiful Psalm, right? And not only are the words of that Psalm so encouraging, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul, my soul my soul. I mean, there's just so much that that, ver- that psalm is like a, a, just a blanket. It, I feel like it shows the Lord's love for us. It shows his care for us. Um, but it also shows like the struggle, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Okay, there is some, there's some walking through some dark stuff but he's also giving us the antidote too. I will fear no evil for thou thou art with me. Sorry, I memorized that in the King James. And I just, so I loved that psalm, but more powerfully than just walking me through that psalm is she prayed that psalm for me for I don't know how long. She was praying that daily for me. And praying scripture is just so powerful anyway. But I just really feel like the Lord used that psalm for me. And I remember then the next time we got together or a couple times after that, she pointed me towards Psalm 119 and Psalm 119 to this day is just going to be, it's just one of my favorites. I read it over and over and it's obviously it's the biggest uh, chapter, biggest chunk of scripture in the Bible. That just over and over talks about his commandments, his testimonies, his precepts, all these different words. It's basically using for the same thing, but uh, the word of God, the, the word of the Lord, and it's all the things that it is. And I mean, just a couple that are my favorite, but you know, he talks about blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. It reminds us to keep our eyes fixed on his commandments. Strengthen me according to your word. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Verse 50 is one of my favorites. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Give me life according to your word. Let me not wander from your commandments. I mean, over and over and over. Psalm uh, or Verse 114 is another one I love so much. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. And there's just something that happened for me in this particular season of just studying and reading over and over and over Psalm 119, um, even if I was only just reading a few verses a, a day of it, it was just instilling in me sort of this beautiful foundation, this firmness of the Lord's word and of his precepts, his His testimonies, and the blessedness, the hope that's in them, That when you're in a season of just being a disaster in your mind, you're feeling like to just keep myself focused on his testimonies, on his word and reading and being assured over and over of the hope that's in his word. That particular piece, it just kind of laid a foundation of where I would go throughout the next 10, 15 years as I would continue to struggle off and on. But, these things were starting to make just kind of notches in how i dealt with these seasons a little bit and um it was making the word to be even more of just i mean man just an anchor that i had to hang on to um is something that as i i have to put in this is because some folks will just go to outside counseling and and now i'll i'll take this to being outside, like not in a church counseling, but like literally outside professional counseling, okay? Um, I, I, I am not one that thinks that these are terrible establishments. However, I have to add some really big caveats here, okay? I could not ever, ever, ever recommend that you go to a, to a counselor that's not a Christian. And then I would add even another layer, even if you're going to a Christian counselor, oh man, You pray about that. You pray about who that should be. Um, I would vet that individual thoroughly. And like I said, if you're kind of in a spot where you're not doing real well, bring someone you trust and a confidant next to you to help you pray through that decision. And I know that probably sounds like I'm making this out to be a huge deal, but I really actually think it is a big deal. I think that going to someone outside, one of the things that I think can be the most helpful again, only with the caveat that this is a Christian counselor that you have prayed through. I, I mean, I, to the point, like, I want to know what, uh, what their theology background is. I mean, I'm really hardcore about who that person should be because you're, you're going in and you are opening yourself up to, um, to where this, this ship is going to be steered. And you want to know that the person that's helping you steer this ship, is only coming from the perspective of God's word and from a biblical point of view. I mean, I, I just cannot urge how important that is. Um, but one of the things that I, I, can, I do think that can be really helpful sometimes with this outside person is sometimes it's, it's just they don't know you. No connection, right? And, and you can feel like you can speak in a way that perhaps you wouldn't if it was someone that you, that you knew. And all kinds of silly reasons that we do in our mind about that, how we, we're concerned about how, we're, um, how we come off or you know, concerned about what they're going to know about us past that, which honestly is most of the nonsense that we just tell our, ourselves. But I do think that can be helpful. But again, I can only, I, you've got to know who you are talking to, what they believe, are they going to be pointing you to God's word? And the reason that's so important is because counseling is not the cure. It's a tool. It's something that might be helpful and only helpful, I think, if it's in through the filter of of the word. But if it's not that, it could be really dangerous. And I don't think we should make light of that. So I really, I have to encourage you that recognize it for what it is. It it can be helpful, it can be a tool, but it's not the cure-all it's you're not gonna go and and check a box and you're good if you've done that before you know that isn't how it works but often how you're being molded how you're being shaped during that very vulnerable time is really important but i have had a couple experiences that were so big for me within the counseling dynamic one of them and why I, this is so exciting to me is because it's just building upon this foundation that i kept finding for the last 15 years but i remember going to this one um, counselor and he walked me through romans 12 2. okay guys i'd read romans 12 too many times do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and i don't know if you've ever had one of these moments where You can have a scripture that you have read hundreds of times, but for whatever reason, the Lord used that person to speak that verse. And he he talked about what some of those words mean, transform, like um, almost a metamorphosis, a, a rebirth. And he keyed in too on really pointing out that renewed word. The Bible doesn't say renewed if we can't do it. It says that we can renew our minds. Man, if you're somebody that has struggled with anxiety or depression, the, the idea that you can renew your mind should be hugely encouraging. You do not have to stay this way. You can renew your mind. Romans 12, two tells us that. So he was using God's word. And I mean, that was a particular time. I told you that most of the time I feel like my situations are, and my struggles, my cycles with this, It would be kind of long and it'd be very gradual that I moved out. That particular one, I literally walked out of there and I was a completely mentally changed person. I went home just constantly replaying that verse in my mind, praising the Lord, because I was seeing that verse through a whole new lens. And in that situation, I never, I was done. I I didn't go back, back to the counseling. It was God's word. God's word was the cure there. Now, he was a tool, and he was great. But the, the, the power that came to actually help me transform my mind, to be transformed, to renew my mind, was through the reading of his word. Uh, I have had other experiences. I, I, I could go on forever, guys, and that would be really boring for you all. But of other times where outside people have been used, but any time real dynamic, change had been made for me, it's all because I was being brought back into what the Lord is saying in his word. And so while, yeah, I can think back to those folks in college and family members and very well-meaning people that when I would be struggling, they would say, well, you know, you need to be reading your Bible, you need to be praying. And at the time that sounded insensitive, but there's honestly some truth to that, you know, and, and, and I hear my heart on that. Because you know that I I know that other side of it. I know it doesn't feel like that. But there is truth to the transforming work that scripture has on us. I want to give you just a little practical thing of something I do. I don't just do this when I'm going through rough seasons. But I find when I'm particularly having a tough time, this is key. You know how you get up in the morning. You're already tired. Okay. I do the next thing. That's my thing. I do my next thing. I do try at least every three days, you know, make sure I get some sort of exercise so that my, you know, I do keep functioning. I I feel like it's helpful. But then I get to about one o'clock. And in those rough seasons, that's when you just hit the lull. And it's not that you need coffee. You're just, you're just kind of spent. You're kind of done. And so my habit when I'm ever in those seasons is I grab my um there's several different things out there but i just use the u version bible app and i will listen to the audio of psalms in the u version bible app and i will lay on my bed and i will just listen to the psalms i will pray and i'll just listen to the psalms and i will do that every single day and like i said this is just, this is something I do. Is that something that the next day you're like, oh, that totally worked and I'm all good. No, that's not how this typically works. But I can tell you that scripture does not return void. And there is a calm and a comfort to just being in the word like that, that, you, that will be so rewarding to you. So that is just like a little practical thing that I think is really helpful when you're in those seasons. Just before we wrap up, I just want to share um, one other story with, uh, with who someone I just considered like an icon of, of faith, pretty much. Now, there's two kind of like big characters for me, um, and they're not characters. I know they're real people, but they're larger than life people. One of them is uh, Winston Churchill. Okay, I'm a giant World War II history buff. I just love World War II. It's my favorite time period to study, to listen. I love World War II documentaries and Churchill movies. It's, it's kind of weird. But Churchill, bigger than life kind of guy, and uh, you know, a straight shooter, so maybe that's kind of why I like him too, but really struggled with depression. Now, I have never read anything that's shown me like a biblical context in which he would have dealt with that. In fact, I don't really see that. But he would call him his black dog days. And he would paint, and that would be his thing. He would go out to his house at Chartwell, and, and he would paint, and that would be his thing that he would say would help him get through the black dog days. Another one of faith, though, is Spurgeon. And, you know, I've read the Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He was a preacher back in the 1800s. Um, I mean, just a giant of the faith. Wrote like crazy. I mean, I'm just a really prolific writer. And I had read his devotionals for years. And I had even read. And if you've read a, a Spurgeon devotional, you know that you can tell that dude has suffered. I mean, you can you can see the things that he is working through, and, and as he counsels people through the things that he's written, it's you can tell he's been through a lot of stuff. And he doesn't really talk about it much, but you can just you can hear that battle. I think in those devotion devotionals a lot, but. It wasn't until later, I, I read a, a book, and this, this book is a, it's a historical fiction, so they don't know exactly that they said these, these things, but the book is called um, Steal Away Home, and it, it talks about the friendship of Charles Haddon Spurgeon and this man, Thomas, that was a slave, actually, during the Civil War. And they did not know each other. Obviously, when he was a slave, he did not know him. But after the Civil War, he, they, did, they found, they made a connection and they developed this really strong friendship. And it's a great book because it just kind of gives a, it lets you see a personal side of somebody that is obviously, you know, a giant of the faith and all that, but you see them as people. Spurgeon, prolific writer, giant of the faith, all these things. But he, his struggle with depression is probably one of the most profound I have ever seen. Far deeper, I think, than what I have ever experienced. He really wrestled. And when I read some of these, and, I, and I'm going to read you a little bit of a quote in his book, because in this book, of some things that he said. But when you think about, we think about David, you know, man after God's own heart. Doesn't get much higher than that as far as recommendation, right? Struggled. I mean, you read, it's in Psalm 43, 5, right? And, there, and this is said many times in the Psalm, but in Psalm 43, 5, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil with me, in me? David, like questioning these things, why do I struggle with this? Spurgeon had this particular season, this was towards the end of his life, And he also had a lot of health issues. He struggled with um, gout and uh, issues with his joints, like horribly painful, sometimes where he would be bedridden for for months. But he went through this one season and he had not been out of bed for five days. He wouldn't get out. And he was, was, as you read through the account, it's like despairing unto death almost. I mean, he was in the lowest of the lowest at this particular point. And his friend Thomas came and visited him and he basically makes him get out. He makes him get out and he says, yeah, we're gonna go outside. We're gonna go outside. And they go and they sit underneath this giant oak tree. And later uh, Spurgeon would call this the questioning oak. But it's a time where Spurgeon's sitting there under this tree with his friend and he's asking some questions. Kind of to himself, kind of the Lord, kind of the Thomas. But they have this little conversation. And one of the things that he says, Spurgeon says, why after all these years After knowing Christ as a true friend, why would I still be enslaved to feeling so low? Why would I have Christ and still seem to spiral down it? You can hear it. And if you've been through these seasons, you've had that question. Why, Lord, am I still wrestling in this? Why am I struggling? And his friend Thomas responded to him and he said, the devil hates you. And the very last thing he wants is for you to find all your happiness and freedom in Christ while you suffer. Don't worry. I chose this for you, he would say. Your mine. ain't nothing going to crush you. Now that's Thomas's words saying that this is what the Lord would say to you and spurgeon would look back at this time remembering this time under the questioning oak as being a real turning point for him because it's when he realized that that this is something i struggle with and i don't know why sometimes when i think about this for my for me personally i think of paul in the new testament when he talks about asking the lord to remove the thorn in the flesh i don't know but i think sometimes it could feel like this is this my thorn in the flesh And for Spurgeon, he has this moment here where he's going or he's realizing and his friend Thomas is pointing out that how can you bring joy? (laughs) How can you bring Christ and rejoice in this while you suffer? When you ask that question, when you make that connection, there is sort of this acceptance of, okay, this is something that the Lord has for me to do. I am going to walk this road. I am going to struggle with this. What am I going to do with it? Am I going to choose to bring Christ into it? Am I going to choose to allow this to be something that draws me to Christ? Or am I going to continue down this spiral of why is this happening to me? And I think when I read this account of Spurgeon. And like I said, this is a, there's some fiction in here. Do I know that he said all of these exact words? No. But I do know that um, later in his life, he talks about this time under the questioning oak. He talks about things where um, that this was such a turning point for him. And it was a kind of a turning point for me as well. Because I look at this guy who is who did so much for the work of the Lord's kingdom, and yet had such a struggle, but did that stop him? And I think that that is just all the Lord, as you continue to keep doing that next thing. For Spurgeon, that was that next sermon. That was that next book he was gonna read. That was that next study he was doing. I mean, he was constantly progressing and doing those things. It didn't take away the struggle that he had, the affliction that he had. Thomas, in the same part, he would also remind him of the Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego story. How when we're in that fire, it's in that fire that it kind of melts away all that is us so that we can see Jesus more clearly. Now, I cannot tell you that when I have gone through those seasons, I have felt like at the time that I was just being pulled closer and closer to the Lord. But after 20 years of different seasons, I can see that thread. I can see how the Lord has used those times to grow me, to make me love his word more, to push through in a way that I don't think I would have done with it. And I think I have found myself in a similar place to where Spurgeon is, or was at this time, of going, you know what? It's okay. It could be that I'm going to be afflicted by this till the day I die. You know, and and Spurgeon, I think, did continue to experience that. But there's a a mindset piece. And you will have to continue to remind yourself and um, you will have to refresh yourself, right? But refresh yourself in the word. There are just scripture after scripture after scripture that will point you, redirect you, and focus you on what you want to be focused on. But focus on the fact that the Lord is in that with you, whatever it is, whatever it's anxiety, depression, maybe it's a physical thing you're going through, maybe it's grief you're dealing with. Man, the Lord is in it. And as weird as this sounds, embrace that closeness and that time with Him. Because when you do come out of that and life starts trucking along and things are just, you know, seem to be going great, It's just our natural human inclination that we don't think we need Jesus as much right then. That would be wrong. But it is in these moments when it is a little dire and it doesn't feel like we can make sense of it and we aren't having cohesive thoughts. (laughs) But it's in those times that we can feel Jesus if we look wrong. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Ap Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at